Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. Hello, and welcome to The Drinking Hour from Food FM with me, David Kermode. Green wine is our subject today. Well, sustainability, really, the watchword of the times as climate change threatens the planet. The winner of the inaugural IWSC Green Wine Initiative, Virgil Jolie, joins us from his vineyard in the Languedoc, along with Ray O'Connor, MW, wine director at Naked Wines, a champion of his wines. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. We have red, we have white, even orange wine. Uh, But green wine is what we need more of. Sustainability is on everyone's lips at the moment, uh, but it's action that was rewarded, not words, in the first ever IWSC Green Wine Initiative Award, created to recognise the myriad of considerate viticulture and winemaking practices underway across the world at the moment. The shortlisted producers were Stopham Vineyard, Everflight, Simpsons Wine Estate and Domaine uh, Virgile Jolie, all of them doing great work on sustainability. But the winner awarded a £7,500 bursary from the IWSC Foundation was Virgile Jolie. And he joins us from his estate in the Languedoc, along with uh, Master of Wine Ray O'Connor, wine director at Naked Wines, who's back in the UK, and uh, who sells uh, Virgil's very popular wines. Uh, Virgil and Ray, uh, welcome both of you to The Drinking Hour. Thank you. Thank you. We'll come to this award shortly, which is you know, richly deserved. I was uh, on the judging panel for this one, which was a great privilege. But first, Virgil, uh, we should sort of start at the beginning, really. Could you introduce us uh, to your domain uh, where it is and uh, the grapes that you're working with. So my domain is in the uh, south of France. We are located uh, in Languedoc, in a village called Saint-Saturnin. And uh, we work mainly in my own vineyard, very Languedoc grape variety, so Grenache, Syrah, Carignan, saint But as winemaker, I work also uh, Merlot and Sauvignon, for example. Mm. And are you working with uh, some older vines there as well? So in my domain, we, we have uh, vines from um, 40 to 60 years old. So very old uh, vine. And in fact, I choose to make wine in Saint-Saturnin because it's not a family business. Uh, it's a business I start myself. So I choose Saint-Saturnin because in this place, we, we, I could find old vine with a very uh, high quality soil, very nice terroir. And... Tell us a bit about yourself as well, your own uh, personal winemaking journey. What inspired you to want to make wine? 
In fact, I'm I'm born in uh, South of Rhone uh, Valley. My grandparents got a vineyard in Ventoux, uh, the famous mountain to be cycling. Family reason, the vineyard go, go to some of uh, my uncles. But, uh, you know, with my parents, we got to live in the city. It was fashionable in that moment. When I was young, the idea was not necessarily vineyard. But then uh, I realized, uh, yes, I love nature and uh, I want to make wine. So I uh, was graduate as winemaker and uh, working figures uh, as winemaker, mainly south of Rhone, Languedoc, and I had few experience also in Chile, uh, Vigna Santa Rita. Uh, then for 2000, I realized I really want to make my own wine. So in 1999, I start to find a, a location, a place to make my, my own wine. And that's why I, I choose Sensationnel. As I said, it was old wine. It's a special uh, appellation d'origine contrôlée, uh, uh, sensationnel, like, you know, a little like uh, village uh, appellation from south of Rhone. And it was um, the soil also, it's choking. Uh, uh, so it's more similar than Chateauneuf-du-Pape uh, Terroir. So I fell in love in that place, old vine, nice location. So I start uh, to grow my, uh, my vineyard in 2000. Okay, well, let's introduce Ray at this point. Ray, uh, you're a, a big believer in these wines at uh, Naked. Um, the, the website is um, positively gushing about uh, uh, Virgil. Almost annoyingly perfect. He's ultra-organic with the certificates to prove it. Dashingly good-looking with a beautiful wife who fell in love with him after one harvest. Stupidly talented with wine. This is a kind of Naked Wines love-in, isn't it? <laughs> yes, I, I guess so. It's... It's it's also reflected in um, Virgil's followers, let's say, on, on the website. Um, I think he has 24, 25,000 followers. So they have sort of voted with their own uh, clicks and, and pockets. And yeah, they're just a fan of his style of wines. And that's, that's something I, I hold Virgil in very high regard for because he... He absolutely understands what the customer wants. And as they leave feedback on the wall, most of it good. Occasionally, you know, can't please all the people all the time. Um, but Virgil listens to that feedback, takes it on board and has, I think, honed his style over the years since I've known him. And I've I've watched that. Uh, very. I've been very impressed looking at that. Yeah. Mm. And you're at MW. What do you uh, love about the wines when you're uh, tasting them? Um, you know, Virgil mentioned the, the, the whole Southern Rhone uh, wines, and then he also does Sauvignon Blanc, Merlot. Of, of those two, the Sauvignon and the Merlot, it's just the you know, varietal typicity, the energy in those wines, which you kind of need, you know, to sort of wake you up. And then in the Rhone wines, you know that they're true to type, true to place, and, um, and, and they're sort of, the, it's the structure, the whole build around them. Um, and there's a little bit, occasionally a little bit of n accepted natural French rusticity that adds charm. No flaws, but charm. So that's what I appreciate in the wines. Yeah, rustic's an interesting word, isn't it? Because it's sometimes um, used by people like us as, as a, a bit of an insult, actually. But I, I love a bit of rusticity. I, I think it adds, a, I mean it as a compliment, I think it adds generally when it's good rustic, it, it really adds some distinctive character, doesn't it? 
Yeah, that's it. I think that's the best way of saying it, distinctive character, because it would, you taste a lot. You taste a lot of Grenache, you taste a lot of Syrah and, and their blends. And some some can sort of blend into one another and um, and you have to have a point of difference. And yeah, it's almost like Virgil's touch to it, you know, that whether that's the terroir of the, the region where he's making wine or how he finishes the wine in the winery. And that's just it's, it's a signature. It's a style. Uh, from Virgil, which I like that. Mm. And before we get uh, to talking to Virgil about uh, what he's done to uh, warrant this uh, award, um, from your perspective at uh, Naked Wines, how important is a winemaker's sustainability credentials um, to buyers like you, bosses like you effectively, but also to your customers? Uh, well, of course, like everyone, more and more so. Uh, and, and perhaps, you know, we've... We've been taking it seriously for quite a while, but it's very much in the spotlight now. And it's it's very important because, well, A, we've just got a responsibility uh, and I consider the position I am in as almost a privilege. And therefore, I have a responsibility to ensure that what we do today is considered and for the future and sustainable our customers also they they let us know we have uh, we have various groups on our website you know for basically you know if you're new to the web- website or uh, different topics and one is our green wings site and there we have you know a few thousand people join on there and they're following different winemakers um updates and stories and so it's very important to the customer i believe recently we did a vote we always engage our customers, as I think some of your listeners will know. We, we often ask them, what should we do? Should we do A or B? And we listen to them. But we, we, were, we asked them, should we or what would they think of uh, a wine with no capsule, a, a topless bottle of wine? And I think we had 35,000 votes and the figures were something like 96, 97 percent voted, 93 percent voted in, in favor of yeah, lose the, the capsule, just in the interest of sustainability, unnecessary additional packaging. So, yeah, it, that, that's very important. And of course, we've been, we transport wine in bulk, uh, as, as many other people do as well. But we, we've been doing that for a very long time now. I think probably about a quarter of our range is transported in bulk, bulk shipping. And, and just for the benefit of your listeners to be very explicit in defining what that means, we don't buy wine in bulk. We don't uh, we don't trade in bulk. Our winemakers in New Zealand, Australia, Argentina, they buy the grapes or they own the grapes. They make the wine. And rather than putting it into a glass bottle and transporting it, we put it into one large flexi tank or ISO and we transport it across the world, reducing the, the carbon emissions. And then it's bottled here closer to home. And so um, little by little, those those things help, you know, towards our sustainability approach to things. Yeah, I mean, that bulk transportation thing is is a no-brainer i i think um yeah. we'll come up to, to, to packaging a bit later on but yeah. virgil um first of all uh, let's go to the vineyard um tell us about some of the things you have done uh which warranted this award with biodiversity in the vineyard um for me the first thing was um uh, uh, in 2000 when i start uh, I, I was certified as uh, organic so um, it's point now, now it's more fashionable and more of my neighbor are working organically, but that means we don't use any chemicals and we don't use uh, GMO. So that was all in 2000 um, a challenge because 
we we didn't have so much equipment and uh, knowledge to know how to run the vineyard. Uh, so that was the first point. Then, after a few years working as um, organic, I want you know develop biodiversity. So we I find here in, in South of France uh, um, some specialists to help me, and so we were planting uh, trees, so single trees or a spot of trees. Um, we also made a pond in the vineyard, which is quite unusual in South of France because it's not uh, like a pond in in UK. You can imagine we have water just during spring and autumn when it's raining. So it's a temporal pond, but uh, it's very amazing because you just make the hole, the rain is falling, and after a few days, uh, some insects were living inside. First, it's a mosquito, but uh, rapidly the mosquito are eaten by some other insects, and uh, it's big life inside uh, after just a few days. Oh. Then in a vineyard also we um, you know we, we realized it was not a lot of insects uh, because as summer are very hot and dry we was used to um, to destroy the grass and so uh, just let just the vineyard and uh, we realize without grass you don't have insects so now we find a way to let the grass. Uh, the idea is to have a green tracks, you know, in between trees and pound around and on the vineyard have grass. Uh, so that's like the, I explained with the pond. It's very, you know, just after one season, uh, it completely changed. We have a lot of butterfly, a lot of insects. Yeah, it's amazing because something it's very, you know, um, you can touch it. It's very vis- visible what you, you do for biodiversity. And it goes very uh, fast. You do something and after a few days, few weeks, uh, you have a life who are here who was not uh, just before. Wow, that must be very rewarding very exciting to see results so quickly yeah that's exciting and um, it looks it's not so fast in fact because the problem is you know when i try to uh, let grass for example then we had big competition for vineyard so you have to find the balance in between grass and vineyard and find the good balance to to see the results but yes it's amazing and and very uh, give a lot of uh, confidence we can say that i'm very happy with that and uh, we it's very as i say visible yeah ray i remember when i was first specializing in wine I, I i kind of i think i'd be somehow conditioned to think that vineyards should look all neat and tidy with manicured vines and and just soil underneath them and and actually if you go to some bordeaux estates or some napa estates it, it still looks very much like that but actually that's that's really not ideal is it we, we kind of need biodiversity yeah absolutely they the vineyards are are, are living organisms themselves and I think the importance, the, the, the important role a winemaker or a grape grower can play is feeding that culture um, you know, and providing habitats where you're going to attract, as Virgil said, insects who in turn uh, are, you know, whether they're prey or predators for, for other um, beings in, in the vineyard. They also go on to a really key part, which I think it was probably Champagne recognised that they had 
almost murdered their soil with spraying and that they, they had blue soil and it was they, they turned it around you know well it took time but they had to and an understanding of the importance of the life in the soil the microflora in the soil this comes from you know above the ground and then it sort of slowly feeds underground where you know the insects slowly die naturally and their hummus integrates into the soil this microflora then has a natural symbiotic relationship with the vine roots and so it gives off it gives them nutrients and um and and it consumes in return and so it's um it's a very important thing and, and thankfully more and more is understood about it now and it is becoming more widespread um one of our winemakers frank massar he, he was ex-sommelier and now he's making wine in uh priorat in spain and he's french but making wine in spain and he has a fantastic biodiversity program uh, around his vineyards and Virgil you mentioned the butterflies and, and he is um, he's collecting he, only, he has an infantry of the flora and fauna in his vineyard and he's recorded something like 70 different butterflies which basically won't ex necessarily have an influence on the vine so much but it is just a reflection of the health of the vineyard that it attracts that there is so much life form there um, and yeah, and he creates different habitats like uh, chopped wood. He'll leave it so bees can nest. And then they, okay, whilst the plant is self-pollinating, it, it attracts, the, the bees pollinate other flowers, which attracts other positive insects. So it's it's a beautiful thing once once you think about it. Yeah, kind of virtuous uh, circle, yeah. I, I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, Virgil, once you get beyond the vineyard, uh, tell us um, what you've done in terms of sustainability in the winery in the we in fact it's a new winery we work now uh, we built it in 2018 and um, so we as uh, the, the wineries uh, most of the wineries are underground so that means we don't need um, air conditioning to uh, to keep the cool temperature uh, on the winery so that was the first things so we have to use less uh, less uh, energy for for cooling the winery um, also we um, we have a solar panel uh, to um, produce um, the, the all the electricity uh, for lights and all the equipment who doesn't need uh, too much uh, uh, power so that works something like 70 70 uh, percent of the time for all winery, and uh, since long time also we 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 was working to uh, reduce our uh, water consumption. So for that we use uh, equipment uh, to reduce the 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 volume of water uh, we are using to clean the the tank and so on. Also now we are trying to uh, use uh, ozone uh, to. Um, to clean the, the the tank, that means we don't need any water to, to clean uh, the tank. For just for the, I don't know in English what how it's called. It's disinfection. Yes, uh, you're disinfecting. Yep. Disinfecting. So to uh, disinfecting the tank, now we don't use uh, water. We use uh, a gas called uh, ozone. Uh, so like that, we don't use the water for for this. Mm. And water um, is a big uh, issue for wine production, isn't it, Virgil? As wine maker, and uh, I was working in, in many 
place where where winemaker doesn't care on what they use. So we can't say in industry where used to uh, to use a lot of water to make uh, one one hectolitre of wine. Sometimes you need uh, two times more for, of water. But uh, if you are focused on reducing what you need, yes, you can. We we use very few. For my winery, we use the same quantity of water as one family of four person for a year. Wow. So it's very small. Yeah, well, well done. So, Virgil, tell us uh, what you've done with packaging and, and bottle weight, because that's also a, a key part of the story, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so by chance, um, now uh, on the market, we can find um, lower bottles. So we use a low, lower bottles, and that makes a big difference um, because you, are, you need uh, less carbon to be to produce a bottle, then to transport the bottle, and so on. Also, we was working in packaging. Um, so in fact, we use um, the boat, um, box uh, laying down. Um, we use box uh, where the bottle is laying down. So for a box of 12, you need more cardboard than for a box of six. And especially because of the divider one inside. So for some of the bottles, we use uh, six box bottles without divider. And uh, so we save a lot of uh, cardboard than uh, a 12 box with a divider, 12 box bottle with divider. Wow, some of these things are so simple, really. Actually, Ray, that's a, a good point. You don't have to be doing really elaborate things to make a difference, do you? No, exactly. It's just about taking the time to slow down and critically challenge what we've all been doing without thinking for the past few years or decades even. Um, and that's it. And I believe the the sentiment is live amongst all you know winemakers and other retailers uk and, and around the world everyone's also you know it, it coincides with uh, inflation and, and price increases and so on so people are like mm, okay where can we save but in general it is about the intention is there to remove unnecessary uh, packaging in there um we've, we've been doing quite a bit a great deal actually in fact by the end of this year, 2022, we'll have saved 490 tonnes of glass by working with lighter bottles. And so that's, you know, that that equates to about removing one million bottles worth out of our supply chain. Um, so that's that's true. Just great work with our winemakers and, and the team. And um, but it's very important to where possible to remove weight from bottles. Yeah, bottle weight uh, has been a Big focus just in the last couple of years. Uh, Jancis Robinson is uh, sort of on the case. Uh, she had her scales out at one point weighing bottles at, at tastings, uh, which is great. Um, uh, why do some wine bottles still kind of seemingly weigh a ton? Um, you know, I, I, I can only speculate, um, but I, I perhaps it's a status thing, you know, uh, badge drinking as they call it in the Far East. I, be, I believe, you know, heavyweight bottles are still the rage in China. And because it has a, a, a different 
you know, p positioning and um, it's a sign of uh, authority or wealth or so on. So, yeah, I think it's just about it, it's a bit antiquated, really. Um, e even even if you're not sustainable uh, minded, it's it's just a bit a thing of the past. Now we need to sort of be a bit smarter uh, and look for greater you know, elegance in, in that regard, rather than just heavyweight, is my opinion. Yeah, it's worth underlining, isn't it, that there is no correlation whatsoever mm. between a heavy bottle and a really good sort of wine. I guess it's a cue, you know, for, for shoppers in a, in a shop uh, you know, where they walk in, occasionally they might find it as a quality cue. But uh, so therefore, you know, people just have to work harder at sort of making each wine stand off the shelf and conveying the message on the back label without without breaking the shelf with weight yeah, yeah. and if a producer comes to you and says uh, you know hey ray um i'd like to be with naked i'd i'd like the help of your angels um you and they have heavy bottles you're going to have a conversation about that at the outset oh, are you yeah yeah absolutely and in fact we 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 have a winemaker and we want it was we brought them on at the very beginning of COVID, if not just a little before that, and and then I wanted to sort of see, see what else they had, and they sent me some more samples. And the top of the wine, the top of their range was a heavy bottle. I tasted it, and it was excellent, and which is not correlated to the weight of the bottle, but it was just a great wine. And I said we'd like to do this, and in the interest of supporting that winemaker, I said we can take this year this this bottle this year, but going forward we need we would work on a different bottle a lighter weight and and we've done that that's that's um bosch kloof and um and we've done that and and with another winemaker in spain so we've just sort of said going forward you you need you you need to turn the oil tanker slightly you know it it doesn't move fast for some it can because if it's a brand new wine you can just say let's do this wine together you co-create it and then you already you can decide on the the glass bottle but it's some things that have already been bottled it's about more of a long term plan well it's great to hear that uh, it's it's uh, resulting in in change already. Uh, Virgil, yes. Naked has this angel model. Um, how important has that been to you? It's very important for us. Um, uh, first things, it will be the, we, we, you know, we are used to respond to posts on Naked Wines. When you are a winemaker, sometimes you are, in your vineyard, in your winery, and you are alone, far off uh, of, of people and so on. And um, to, to be back in office, read the post, uh, it gives you a big energy, you know, to realize uh, your job gives pleasure to people, to angels. Uh, as Ray said before in introduction, uh, I really read everything i try to respond to everyone and sometimes we have bad comments and sometimes people say uh, some comments and that help me to change a little the direction of some of my wine and uh, that's uh, very uh, uh, nice things you know and uh, i touch that quite every day so i have a connection with uk quite every day with that um, regarding our business uh, and that's finally the most important, probably. Um, so we was uh, since the beginning uh, we was founded. So that means we naked wines provided the money to buy the grapes and to make the wine with. Uh, that means for me I have no question of 
trying to find market for the wine I'm producing. Um, I also they they take in charge the marketing. So you know I'm I'm a wine I'm a winemaker I'm a wine producer I'm not somebody very keen with the marketing and so on. Uh, so they they organize all the marketing around my job. Uh, so that's also very important. Yes, some of the winemaker and some people doesn't realize. It could work so they are thinking it's just marketing but uh, I can't say it's not just marketing it's very important and since 10 years it's something who very help me help our company to um, to continue to grow and and also to be able to uh, to work in some point who are less uh, who you don't have uh, uh, cash back. So when you work on biodiversity, you don't have cash back. And it's because naked wines secure my business. Uh, I have more time to slow down and, uh, and make uh, work on biodiversity and things like that. Another example I have, when few years ago now, uh, naked wines want to uh, have uh, some uh, Rhone Valley wine. Uh, they make a presentation on winemaker, uh, no, on, on um, private wine growers uh, society, and and people doesn't believe that, doesn't believe the the system is good and the business will be uh, good. Uh, so it's one of the reasons why now I'm producing uh, three wines from uh, Rhone Valley for Naked Wines. And, uh, you know, it was my dream to make a wine from my grandparents' vineyard in Ventoux. And thanks to Naked, I'm, I'm able to do that. I'm producing uh, Ventoux, uh, Lirac, uh, Plan de Dieu, three places I really want to make wine, but I think it will be never possible. And without Naked Wines, I can't say it's not possible. So for us, it's a big, big thing, and uh, we are very happy about the, the system. And also, you know, and some angels, uh, archangels, uh, are very engaged, and uh, it's kind of two groups in Naked Wines. You have angel, archangels, so the customers, uh, Naked Wines teams, and, uh, and growers, uh, winemakers, and all work together and have their own uh, view, and they, they ex we exchange a lot. And uh, yes, we, we are very, very happy. And uh, as I said, it will be 10 years, and uh, we hope to continue a long time. It's very good business. Good. Well, I suspect you will be continuing a long time uh, after uh, that particular answer, because it's going to help Ray answer the next question. Because, um, Ray, uh, you'll be aware in the industry, there are those people who look at this... Um, very eye-catching, uh, innovative model for a business. And they say, well, this is, you know, this angel thing, this is kind of marketing guff. I've, I'm aware of the, some of the narrative uh, from mostly in the wine industry, and um, I'm not too phased by it. But to, if if I needed to respond to it, I think it's the... All, all anyone needs to do is to speak to winemakers, you know. Uh, they Well, if they don't take our word for it, how the model works that's you know I, I i don't understand that but um let's say the next step for them is to ask a winemaker how does this actually influence you and so virgil has just spoken which you know we haven't virgil and i have not colluded on that i haven't spoken to him today about that and um, but any other winemaker and they're all around the world we work on 
we offer two options. We say, okay, would you like us to work the traditional model where, you know, I taste the wine and we agree to buy it and then you pay up front the first time and then maybe thereafter you pay on 60 days terms. And that's sort of what everyone in the industry does or most. Uh, alternatively, the naked model would be that winemaker who we see as the talent and we want them to just focus on making the wine and not be stressed, um, distracted by anything other than focusing on the wine. We engage them to, they find the grapes in their area, be it Marlborough or uh, Yarra Valley, wherever they are. And they come back to us and tell us the price per kilo of grapes. And line by line, we have a very open spreadsheet, basically. And we just line by line, okay, what's the key price per kilo of grapes? Okay, therefore, and, and what kind of oak do you want to use? Uh, first fill, second fill oak. Then we go on to the packaging and the importance, you know, the how important it is to have a certain type of bottle. And then the last line on this sheet, where everything is just adding up, the last line is the profit per bottle. And that's the where I don't involve, involve myself. I said, right, you stick in whatever number you need there. Well, if they put in a figure that is, and they rarely do this, well, that was, you know, let's say a, a slightly inflated, well, the final price, they can see what the final price is and they, they can see that, well, that's not really going to work. That's not going to hit. We're not going to break the model by funding, you know, it's not going to pay back to the customer. And so I don't, one thing is non-negotiable for me, my view is the profit. If they, they have to make what they have to make, that's fine. But what we can do is go back up the spreadsheet and say, okay, well, maybe you don't need that glass. Maybe we'll switch it over to screw cap from, uh, from cork and capsule. And that's it. We pay for the grapes in advance, then we pay for the packaging at that time, and then we pay on collection. And the whole while, the winemaker has been free of risk, free from the responsibility of sales, free from the responsibility of uh, marketing and travel and any of those things. And it is just a cost plus basis. And that is where the term naked comes from. So, and then, yeah, we collect, sell it, goes on the website, the customers who gave me, gave Naked uh, the money in advance for me to give to the winemaker in advance, then they, they, they get the bottle, the price at, at what it would cost had it not been funded. So therefore you include various other overheads, but they are getting it at just at the cost plus basis. Um, yeah, and they speak to the winemaker, they speak to them on their wall, they speak to them when they come on tour. And so I think, you know, we've got 350,000 customers in the UK and any detractors would have to say, mm, are they all wrong or are they all, do they all not believe, you know, really understand what's going on? Because they very, very much do understand the relationship they have and the influence they have on winemakers. Uh, I will just add in one thing, which I think sort of summarizes the ethos of it, is we have a winemaker in South Africa, Carmen Stevens, and she... Uh, used to run a food kitchen in, in around Stellenbosch, outside of Stellenbosch. And um, she basically used to feed, run uh, lunches into schools to help children, you know, to, to keep them engaged in school. So the better learning if they've been fed because they weren't being fed at home in the morning before they came to school. She shared this with us. And at the same time, we were doing a free food Friday. So every Friday, one uh department in our business would have to cook a soup for the rest of the business that we'd all chip in some money and then we'd give it to a local charity and so we decided we'd help Carmen's this this one time we'd help Carmen's and we I think we raised you know 500 600 quid something like that and already you know when she put it into play she said that has had an incredible effect just to reboot this food kitchen again so the following 
uh, or a few months later, we said, well, why don't we get our customers and see if they want to play a part as well? So we asked everyone, would they give up their lunch for three pounds? And the first year, oh, did we raise something around, oh, oh, like it was over a hundred thousand pounds. And wow. the, we have, last year we raised three quarters of a million pounds. And we, during lockdown, Carmen was feeding 18,000 pupils a day in lockdown. 18,000 people were queuing up for food and the, the school attendance, the learning, the results, you know, the, 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 the school reports, let's say, have all in, improved significantly. So, OK, that's not talking about wine, but that is talking about the sense of community that our customers feel because they want to be part of that. And then they follow the Carmen gives them updates and, and, and the kids give us updates and everything. And that's that's just basically reflects, I think, the ethos of where we work. I, I work with Naked for nine years and I wouldn't work in a place that wasn't authentic. So take my word for it, if anything. Yeah. Mm, good answer. Uh, tell us about you talked about lockdown there. We're just uh, well, it's still around, but we're coming out of the pandemic, hopefully. Tell us about uh, the, the COVID support scheme. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as, as I think everyone was fully aware that there were some industries that benefited and others that really were hurt, uh, like the restaurant industry, as well as, you know, others beyond that. But and we were fully aware that customers were coming to us because they were drinking at home and we were already a, a direct customer service. Um and so we felt quite early on, by April already, I think, we said we, we need to do something about all, all those who are really on the poor, poor end of this situation. And so we're in the US, you know, we're Naked Wines UK, USA and Australia. And so globally, we uh, raised a $5 million fund, which we put towards seeking out and, and where we just opened an application form for for winemakers around the world who would have been selling their wines to local restaurants um, and invited them to submit them to us and then we would pay cash up front and our and then we would do a mixed case so we had the spanish case so various producers fantastic wines we brought in and and so they they would send in wines to us and we we'd include it and those lots plenty of those winemakers have have stayed on with us i mean incredible wine from you know ramon de cesar from Ribirio, gold medal winning uh, the wines of valdaya in ribera and the wines from uh, herancia de altes in um Terra Alta in Spain, and then it goes all around the world, Bosch Kloof in South Africa and so on. And um, yeah, so th those were the wineries we were able to help. But equally, because, I mean, I was quite aware, I used to be a sommelier for Gordon Ramsay many moons ago. And so I've come from the, I used to own bars as well in Luxembourg. So I've come from the, the hospitality sector as well. And I knew, okay, when all of this passes, because it too shall pass, we need to, we want wine to be, very relevant again and, and, and in a very healthy state because it won't continue like this things will get back to normal and so i reached out to a number of uh, uk agents importers typically those who we don't work with at all because we have our own model but um yeah so i contacted a few people i know and said okay how are you doing this well we're not selling because we're not sent to the restaurants and i said we can probably put some of your stock through our site to just inject cash flow to keep you above water let's say and we did that that was the the restaurant rescue case and yeah customers customers generally loved it so it was um the right thing to do at the right time i think and um 
And thank God we're out of it now. <laughs> mm, indeed. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Um, and actually, really good point about um, sustainability being seen in the round, you know, not just being about green things necessarily, but being yep. about people's livelihoods and, and, and so yep. forth. Um, Virgil, um, how important to you uh, was it to get this uh, uh, IWSC uh, Green Wine Award? Uh, it's a big satisfaction, you know, it's a big satisfaction because it's, um, it's a way to recognize 20 years of work uh, trying to develop uh, biodiversity, to be respectable uh, around things, uh, about things around us, uh, to, to try to have less impact in our environment. So, yes, yes it's a big satisfaction. And also it gives um, a big motivation to, uh, to continue and to follow uh, this way. Uh, for me, but also for my team, because, you know, sometimes I know they are a little tired and bored about all that things, especially because I'm very precise and, and I have to repeat sometimes things. But uh, yes, it's a big uh, motivation uh, for, for all of uh, our team to continue in this way. Uh, and as a way, we also have the satisfaction of see more butterfly, more insect, more pheasants and, and more uh, life in our vineyard. And Ray, do you take the view that these kind of awards uh, really mean something, really matter as well? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's recognition and also motivation then for others. Um, you know, it should have a knock-on effect on others because it gives us as a team uh, a real boost to know that, you know, that we that we are associated with these uh, sound-minded producers and and that there's room for more improvement. So I do sort of almost see it as a carrot for, for the next round of winemakers to convert to more sustainable style of winemaking and uh, farming. Mm. Virgil, um, congratulations again, first of all, on the award, which was you know richly deserved. Um, it's a kind of slight tangent, but... Um, we have to mention Virgil's Vineyard as well, because uh, when I was doing my homework uh, and actually uh, inspired by something I read, I think, on the on the Naked Wine site, um, you basically found a form of fame kind of by accident because you ended up being certainly one of the subjects of a book by a British author, uh, Patrick Moon, who, who spent a year in the Languedoc and then wrote about his experience. Um, uh, tell us about how you ended up with your name on the title of the book. Uh, it's uh, strange things to be a character of book. And uh, it was a huge experience because Patrick Moon spent a year with me. He was following me uh, in the vineyard and in the winery. Uh, it was something like 2001, so early beginning. It was a strange experience to, to read the book after because, uh, for example, Patrick Moon sees uh, the situation by his own eyes and his own way to, uh, to, 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 uh, to write that. So some situation was not uh, funny for me, became funny, you know, on the book. It's very funny book, to very easy to read and very funny. And, uh, and then also what's strange at the beginning, it's people come in Saint-Saturnin with a book and looking for, for the small winery where I start in downtown. And, uh, and, and, you know, they are looking like at me and say, oh, but you are Virgil. I say, yes. And, you know, you, you are 
yes, Carter of Book, and that was uh, amazing. Then um, we, with Naked Ones, we had a second publication in 2014 with an extra chapter to update. Because a year, it's, uh, it's long, but uh, in our story, you know, it's long-term uh, story, uh, uh, the, the, the domain story, it's, uh, it's take times. It was, uh, as I say, we built a new winery in 2018. So it's kind of, uh, the story for, is following. Uh, so, so that was good to have a, a second uh, version of the book. Mm, I bet. Well, uh, it's um, inspired me to want to uh, read it as well. And it must be utterly bizarre to, to, to find yourself not just the, the subject of a, um, of a book, but also um, the, uh, the, the subject of the, the title uh, uh, as well. Um, a final question before I let you both um, go, uh, because we tend to ask this on the drinking hour. Um, it's a desert island wine. So, you know, that the, the wine that you would have if you were stranded on your desert island. Um, Ray, first of all, um, what would yours be? Well, I could drink white burgundy to beat the band till the cows come home, but I think more suitable, but also delicious would be uh, Madeira. Just it is a long lasting heat resistant uh, bottle of nectar. And um, I, I love it. And I also don't imagine I'd have glassware. And although I advise your listeners to drink responsibly, there is something uh, I don't know, there's something utterly delicious about sipping Madeira from the neck, you know, and it's, uh, it's I don't know, maybe it's how it lands on your palate, but it is a, it's the best way to drink Madeira, in my opinion, is just by the, by the bottle. So, um, yeah, I'd probably go for one of those. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it's amazing how often Madeira comes up. Uh, in answer to that question and frankly if you're stuck on a desert island i think probably consideration of responsible drinking might have got out of the window anyway um and virgil what would be your desert island wine i think i would be quite classic uh, it will be a chateau neuf du pape from uh, chateau Montredon, uh because it's one of the domains where i was working um, uh, I make a practice as a winemaker when I was young. So it's kind of a, it's a terroir I love. And it will be a, a way to remind uh, uh, my youngness. <laughs> mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I, I suspect uh, Chateau Montredon would may well be on my list, actually, as well. So uh, that's a, a great answer. Um, uh, as I said, congratulations to you, Virgil. Um, Ray, um, thank you very much uh, for... Uh, shining uh, small light on, on the way uh, Naked works and also uh, on the way uh, sustainability can kind of integrate with uh, uh, the business model of a, a very successful business shifting a lot of uh, stock. It's been great talking to um, both of you. Um, thank you very much for being with us on The Drinking Hour. It was a great pleasure. Really great. Thank you. Thank you very much. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world. OK, we round off, as ever, with a selection of medal winners from the IWSC Hall of Fame in 2022. And in Ray's honour, we have a selection from Naked Wines to look out for today. If you're a Naked Wines uh, shopper, uh, where better to start than uh, Virgile Jolie, uh, 2020 Côte du Rhône Village, Plain de Dieu, uh, a classic Rhône blend of Grenache, Syrah and Mourvèdre, uh, awarded a bronze medal. The judges said 
gorgeously ripe and smooth with delightful flavours of black fruit and mocha on the palate. And that's uh, delightfully priced as well, 10.99 for Angels. Next, a silver medal winning Pinot Noir from the wonderful central Otago in the heart of New Zealand's South Island. Grasshopper Rock, Ernskloch Vineyard. Hope I've said that correctly. A Pinot Noir 2018 from uh, winemaker Phil Hanford, who describes the project as a dynamic equity partnership of five slightly crazy families, which uh, amused me. Uh, this won uh, 90 points, getting it a silver medal. The judging panel said bright aromatics, smoky and sweet, black fruit driven palette with complex herbaceous notes, lovely varietal accents shining through, broad with a long finish. Uh, staying in New Zealand, uh, a Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc next from uh, Bill and Claudia Small. This is Small and Small Sylvia Reserve Sauvignon Blanc 2021, awarded uh, bronze medal. This is from the Awateri Valley. Uh, the judges said, tastefully restrained with the aromatic flavours of gooseberry, fresh herbs and crisp green peppers. And finally, uh, to Rioja. Uh, Carlos Rodriguez, a former Naked Winemaker of the Year, uh, Morum 2021, is a white Rioja, a blend led by uh, Viura, uh, known elsewhere as uh, Macabeo uh, in Spain, um, and also uh, Tempranillo Blanco, uh, which is uh, relatively unusual as a grape variety uh, and uh, uh, delicious. Uh, this was awarded a bronze medal. The judges said, a fresh example with candied citrus, red apple and pear notes, fresh and easy drinking. And that's it for another edition of The Drinking Hour. My thanks to Ray O'Connor, MW, uh, and also uh, to Virgil Jolie. And congratulations again to him uh, for winning that Green Wine Initiative Award as well. Uh, a real honour, richly deserved. You can uh, follow us at Food FM Radio on Instagram and Twitter. I am Mr Venusaurus on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, but until next time, from The Drinking Hour, it's goodbye. The Drinking Hour on Food FM. You're listening to The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in association with the International Wine and Spirit Competition, using the best in the world to judge the best in the world.